0: Episode 90 of the Pushing Rubber Podcast is brought to you by the good time, great taste of small, fairy animals. This is Adam Piggott, uh, Pushing Rubber Podcast, your host for the most. Episode 90, look at that, we've broken into the n- 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 nines. Um, it's been a little while. Um, I've been on holiday, I've been sick, I've been away, uh, and now it's back. The weekly podcast is back, have no fear. I know you were all clamouring, clamouring and beating down the door. When are you coming back? Sorry, it's only three weeks. Come on. It's not too bad. It's not too bad at all. What's been going on in the world of Adam? Well, uh, I, I assume you listened to the podcast with a great one last week on the Greasy Pole podcast. Um, and um, went off and did my holiday, did that sort of thing. That was fun. Um, and uh, got sick. And stayed sick for about two and a half weeks with some horrible virus in my mouth. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I've I've got all the I've copped a lot of shit at work about this. Oh, how much you are you sucking in Italy to get such a terrible mouth virus? <laughs> <sighs> um, <laughs> and the answer was not too much, obviously. Um, uh, so yeah that was that uh, but I'll be back at work I'll be, uh, be basically back on my game from Saturday uh, I had a very old friend come and visit me um, just stayed overnight because he's uh, he's Scottish uh, who's been living in Australia for I think about 30 years but whose who's mother still lives in England and he gets back every year to visit her and so he took a took a flight to uh, Amsterdam to Schiphol to come over and see me I picked him up uh, very, very, very good old friend. Uh, I've known him since I was about twenty, and he's about, I think, about well, about fifteen years older than me. Um, as unusual friendship because it's not based on work, and I think most of my friendships, most of my adult friendships, are based on uh, people I've worked with. Um, and I think that john and it's his name is the uh because that doesn't narrow it down obviously by calling someone john john's but i think it's the only friend i have who didn't come from a work-related background and we basically um lived in the same small little apartment complex uh when i was about 20 he had a uh, very nice he had the nice apartment with the terrace um and um yeah, we just became friends and hung out and had common interests, riding motorbikes, uh, 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 drinking alcohols, uh, smoking cigars, that sort of stuff, chasing girls. Um, um, and anyway, so it was great to catch up. It was great to have a guest. He's our first house guest in the new abode. Um, he also met the good wife for the first time. Um, and Saturday night, we, uh, we went out on Saturday night to Ghalda, uh, we went out on Saturday to Chowder and walked around the little city there and that was cool. And Had a few drinky poos on the terraces and looking over the people, people watching, it was fun. Uh, and then I uh, had dinner, I, I cooked dinner and some friends of ours gave us a fire pit. One of those portable fire pits that you carry around. Um, and we put that at the back and I threw all the wood in it and we got a good fire going and uh, drank whiskey and rum, and it was great. It was very enjoyable. And then on um, on Sunday morning, John and I um, left the Good Wife, and we hooked into Amsterdam on the train because he had a, a flight at about four thirty. And um, we went to the Rijksmuseum, um, which was spectacular. I mean, absolutely spectacular. I've I've never uh, museum. It should be more art gallery. We didn't see 10% of what's in that building. And the building itself was... May as well have been the museum. It it could have been the the museum was the building. And that would have been fine. Ah, We we would have been happy with that. And it was so organised and so efficient. And all the Dutch people... Dutch people, mind you, yeah? Traditional white Dutch people working there were so friendly, so helpful, so enthusiastic about where they were working and what they were doing. It was just... A real pleasure. And we got in fast. No problem getting tickets. And this was Sunday morning at eleven o'clock. And uh we went to the sixteenth and seventeenth century floor, which is all paintings of like Rembrandt and that sort of thing. And oh my god. Wow. The one of the first paintings we saw was a Still Life. And I think I'll put this Still Life on the Friday Hot Chicks and links this week. I might I might put an image up of it. And that was one of the first, literally I think it was the second painting we saw. And we both stood and looked at that for a while and just went, holy shit. And this was painted in like 1660 or something. How did he do that? It was it was just draw, jaw-droppingly amazing. And then we went up to the um, 19th to 20th, early 20th century floor. Um, so there was some Van Gogh, or Van Gogh as we know him in English. But they pronounce it Van Gogh uh um paintings there um which were quite small it was a self-portrait and there was a really green one phew, don't know, with a butterfly or something um, they're quite small but the the use of color was extraordinary i, I have to say I, mean, I really have to say the use of color was extraordinary but my favorite paintings are actually on that floor and they weren't the van hoss um, but there were some amazing and I look we just we were only in there for an hour and a half or so. I didn't get to write down any names of paintings or anything like that. Uh, but there was some stuff I saw that was just really God and I think I think um my advice for you if you were ever in Amsterdam and you were like, I want to go to the Rijksmuseum, you you, you don't you don't go and do it in a day. So stay in Amsterdam for a week and get like a week pass. And just hit the the museum for an hour and a half each day, and go to all your different bits to see around it, because your you, your brain can't handle more than about more than a couple of hours. You, you just can't handle it. It's just so much, and it's like an overload. It's, and and you get to a point where it's like another painting. Yeah, okay. And the, and that bit of, um, in gold inlay, cab, walnut cabinetry that was owned by Louis Seventeenth That ah, uh, just can't do it. Just can't do it amazing and we went off and had lunch and i was i was hoping to take john to a, a french restaurant that the good wife and i've been to a couple of times it's just wonderful and the sunday lunch is superb and I'm, I'm a big fan of sunday lunch it's a big thing for me unfortunately i hadn't booked because it was sunday lunch and so the dutch just don't do sunday lunch we walked in every time we didn't get in uh i was pretty devastated actually um, you know that moment where the girl's saying you can't get in and you're like and you're like having a chat to her and blah 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 and then she starts talking more and you and you just realise it doesn't matter how much she likes you it doesn't matter what you do there's absolutely no nothing you can say nothing you can do you, you're just not getting in I was just like ah oh. but down the road there's another restaurant that I've been to before it's called the Entrecote in and the it, Dame, and it's a restaurant where um they only have two things on the menu so you get you get a you get a, an entree which is like a caesar salad sort of thing and then you get to choose between steak or fish and steak is the entrecote, um and that's that's it and it's it's actually it's the restaurant specifically set up for the the concert hall and the opera crowd who so are going out to a concert they want to get in sit down eat bang out they go but uh, the good wife and I have eaten there before and it's actually it's actually very very good quality as well so I said to I said John I'll oh, fuck it we'll go to the intercopter down sat down there just got looked after had a wonderful lunch and then dropped him off at the airport so it was just really nice to have have an old friend come and stay in the house the new house that, that the good wife and I are sorting out speaking of the house we, we had the floorboards installed upstairs um a couple of months ago something like that um, beautiful 18 millimeter oak floorboards um, and we we shelled out we went we were like well we're gonna this is our house for the next 20 years let's let's get the good stuff and put it down and it really is the good stuff and they're very dark chocolatey brown um, and they've been I think they've been brushed twice and and Uh, steamed and waxed and rubbed and and basically had virgins rub their their private parts up and down. I don't fucking know. Smoked. They've been smoked. Uh, I've had everything done to them. And you can see all the greys. They're absolutely beautiful boards. Not only are they beautiful, when you walk around them in your bare feet, you can feel how nice they are. So we paid a lot of money for this stuff. And we contracted this company who sold themselves on the fact that the woman, when she was getting floorboards, had a bad experience so she decided to set her own 4 block company up so that the experience wasn't bad. Now our house is 100 years old and it's also over the years it's kind of dropped down upstairs in a bit of an angle um, and in one, in one corner like, quite dramatically. We're talking like probably eight centimetres in a metre a height difference on the floor and the rooms are all completely irregular. And we got another company in to measure up, and we didn't end up going with them. But we got them to measure it up, and we ended up we ended up dropping them. And they and they were like six hundred euros to lay the floor, and it'll take two guys a whole day. Um, anyway, the the company we eventually ended up getting wanted a thousand euros to lay the floor with two guys. Uh, but unknown to us, they budgeted half a day. And here's the thing: they didn't come out to see it even though we insisted on it. But they were like, no, no, you've had another company measure it up. We'll just take that measurement and that's fine. And we, we sent them floor plans and photos just to say, look, this is a really, really, every room is irregular. Every room is you've got bits coming out. In, I mean, it's a it's a big fucking job, you know. And when the other company said two guys in one day, I was thinking, wow, two guys will do this in one day. that's going to gonna have to work their ring off. So unbeknownst to us, they, they just got, oh, and they've got subcontractors who are doing the work. Anyway, long story short, the subcontractor just came out, it was an older guy and then a younger guy. The, apparently the younger guy was cool. I wasn't here. I was at work. The good wife was taking care of it. Uh, but the older guy was like, oh my fucking God, this is shit. Oh, I'm not going to do this. Uh, uh, uh. And, and the good wife had to keep his spirits up the whole time, which when you're paying this amount of money, it's not really what you want to do. And we're paying a good amount of money for this man. Really good amount of money um high four figures high four figures um and anyway apparently the carpenter while he was here said to the good wife oh we're going to charge more for this we're going to charge more and the good wife was like whatever we've paid the quote. we've paid it you've quoted us for the the floor you've quoted us to install the floor we've accepted the quote Got all the measurements, we've sent you all the photos, we've signed it, paid. The mistake we made was we paid it up front. A very good mate of mine is a builder um, said to me, no, 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 what you do is you pay 30% up front, you pay 30% on delivery, and then you pay 40% on satisfaction with the finished work, not the work finished, but satisfaction with the finished work. And we just paid 100% up front because that's what they insisted on. I don't know this stuff. I've never contracted builders or anything before in my life. This is a very first for me, but I've learned my lesson. And in fact, my, my good mate said to me, if they insist on 100% up front, that means there's an issue. And he was telling me stories about companies that routinely, routinely go bust, wipe off all their debt, set up a new company, different name, start up again a year later, bust, blah, blah, blah. It's like a continual process. So if they're insisting on all the money up front, he said, and they keep insisting, that's a really big red flag. So I said to my mate, well, in future, how do I do it? He goes, well, they send you the terms and conditions, they want 100% up front, and you just adjust the terms and conditions and put your terms and conditions in, sign it and send it back. I was like, you can do that? He goes, yeah, yeah, Absolutely. They've sent you their terms and conditions. Well, you've got your terms and conditions as well. It's not a one-way street. And I said, people, they accept it? He goes, oh, they'll whinge. But eventually they'll have to accept it. There's nothing they can do. I'm like, oh, okay. But we paid it all up front, big stuff. So they put it down. The floorboards are amazing. Um, but there were a couple of problems. One, it was really hot the day they put them down and all of the, the, like the holes in the floorboards from the knots they, they filled in with this stuff, and because it was so hot, some of it popped out immediately, which is not good because it looks it's white, so it looks terrible. And they put the floorboards on, and a cupboard door, they couldn't put back on the hinges because it actually, when they put it back on the hinges, it marked the floor because it was the floor was too high for one side of the door. They didn't tell us this. The carpenters didn't tell us this. They just took the door off the hinges, And put it back in and walked out and said, it's done. Even though there was a scratch on the floor. And then the good wife and I, oh, they didn't put this door back on. We did better do it. Put the door back on and scratch the floor. So that's not cool at all. Anyway, so here's the rub. The carpenters, who the company that we accepted the quote for, who was subcontracted to the company, to the company, not to us, obviously, charged 250 euros extra for the job. So that's 1,250 euros for the job, whereas the other company that we, we originally quoted, with wanted 600 for the same thing, and they're the ones who came and measured it. Anyway, the company emailed us, and it wasn't even the people we were dealing with in the company. It was a small company. We had our own person was looking after us. It was just some random admin thing with, with no name under it from an email address we hadn't seen before that went to my junk mail. And I didn't see it for a few days. Just saying, oh, there's extra costs with your floor, two hundred fifty euros. Can you pay by this day? Thanks. And I just, I just, the good wife showed me this, and I was just like, well, I'm not paying that. There's no way. And I, I rang up my builder mate. I went, do we have to pay this? He goes, no, of course not. That's their problem. They're the ones that the that's the, the their subcontractor. It's not your subcontractor. The subcontractor, the carpenter, is given the bill to the flooring company. That's their bill to pay. As my mate, my mate said to me. Do they, do they want you to pay their electricity bill because that was a bit more last last month would do they do they want to pay you to pay coffees for all of their staff this week because they want to treat them nicer how about to put fuel in their car i like, huh? what the store and he was like hey no way I'm like okay that's exactly what i thought anyway it's been two months man two months and and, be, and the good wife has been handling it And finally, the good wife has had enough because the company are like, what's your problem? Of course you have to pay. pay." Which basically means the company wants us to assume their risk of doing business. They've they've fucked up their quote because they were too lazy to come out and have a look and send anyone around just to do some measurements and rah, rah, and go, oh, shit, fucking hell. Okay, well, this is a bit... Even though we were completely transparent, have all the emails of sending them floor plans and photos and rah, 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 rah. The company wants us to assume their risk because they fucked up and uh, we're not paying. And eventually the good wife just got sick of it and was like, okay, I just need you to handle this. So I sent, I sent uh, the guy an email today. I'll, I'll read out the email that I sent, sent to them. I think, I think you'll like this. I think you'll like it. Okay. Uh, this is Adam Pickett, Bianca's husband. Bianca has enough of dealing with this situation. So now it's my turn. You seem to have a problem with understanding the basic framework of a quote and a bill. A quote is a price that you gave us to do the job with the floor, a price which we agreed on and paid. You cannot change the quote after the job. And in fact, as we have pointed out, your own terms and conditions preclude that possibility. Um, the fact is, we went through their terms and conditions. or The good wife did, actually, I didn't because so I can't read Dutch. And it specifically says on their terms and conditions that the, the quote price cannot be changed up to three months after it's agreed on. It cannot be changed. Now, that's what their own terms and agreements says. And we're quoting their terms and agreements back at them like, yeah, you read your own terms and agreements. Anyway, going on to my email. A bill is a statement of money owed for goods or services supplied. The carpenter supplied the service to lay the floor to you, not to us. As such, the, the bill is addressed to your company, not to us. We do not have a habit of paying other people's bills. Perhaps you had a higher than normal electricity bill the other month. Would you like us to pay that for you as well? Or maybe your fuel consumption in your car was greater than expected last week. How about you send us the bill for that too? In short, we will not be paying any more money for the quote that we've already paid. A quote I hasten to remind you has still not been performed to a satisfactory standard. But that is our problem for paying the entire quote up front, a mistake that I will not make again in the future. Perhaps you should learn a lesson here too, that so that you don't make the same mistake in the future. Make an accurate quote. Sincerely, Adam Pierre. Anyway, he replied with his very long email in Dutch, and I replied, I don't speak Dutch, try English, um, but I've got the good wife to translate it for me. And apparently he's in shock at my black and white handling of the situation and rah, 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 and surprise, surprise that we weren't paying. Because not only do they want us to pay the 250 euros, they didn't put a cut on top of it. That, that's them doing us a favour. They also said that if they'd known that we wouldn't have paid the extra 250 euros, then the carpenters wouldn't have done a really good job. They did a really, really good job because they thought we were going to pay more. It's almost like extortion, attempting extortion, isn't it? So I'm going to wait for him to... And then he tried calling the good wife, who wouldn't reply, because I've given her instructions. Don't don't answer them. They're only, they've, they've got me to deal with now. They, they've got big bad Adam to hang it on. And this guy, man, this, this guy we've got, you're rude. He's young, early twenties, but going bald early. And obviously, he's got no idea. But he's just—he's just keen as mustard and wants to name, make a name of himself for the big guy. Um, and he's acting in this email from what the good wife was uh, translating for me, like he, like us, they're like like they—they're doing us a favor, basically. They're doing us a favor. Don't you understand? And the really here's the really dumb thing on their part. The really dumb thing. We still need to do 60 square metres downstairs. We still need to do the stairs. And stairs are expensive because every stair has to be individually cut out and they're all different and rah, rah, rah. Stairs can cost a lot of money. We still need to do all of that and they know it. So for €250, Euros, oh, they dropped it at €100. Euros, to €150 Euros now that they're fighting over. They're probably going to miss out on over, on on around €10,000 of work. It's so oh, stupid. It's so dumb. And they've got no idea. They want us to assume their risk. Absolutely insane. So that's what's been going on. Uh, that's what's been going on in life. life of Adam. There you go. So I hope you enjoyed that little anecdote uh, uh, we had i, I did a uh, a post uh last week attention whoring on twitter about a woman who uh who put up a tweet last week out of the blue the man who asked me to marry him remarked as follows sometimes i wish you were just a teacher or nurse because you wouldn't think so much it's intimidating and then she walked out on him apparently and, rah, 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 and, I, and I said it was bullshit um, and there's been a lot of people trying to work out actually what's going on here but there was a comment. There was a comment that someone left. Uh, squawk box, squawk box. I think I think squawk box nailed it. Uh, so he's quoted the what she said. Sometimes, once again, sometimes I wish you were just a teacher or a nurse because you wouldn't think so much as intimidating. And then he, squawk box has said flat out lie. No man in history has ever said that, even in the mathematically mega improbable sense that he thought it in the first place. This is just some fugly, insane cannibal working out her neurosis by inventing a narrative of why cats like her more than humans do. I look forward to an eat, pray, love sequel. Um, And then another guy chimed in on that called Hesse. My thoughts exactly. Intimidated is a word that crazy girls commonly use to describe the way they want to think a man felt to cause this kind of relationship failure. I have yet to hear it from a man. She made it up, or at best, made up that quote to embellish a story based on some grain of truth. And I, um, I think those guys have nailed it. I think those guys have nailed um, exactly, exactly what's happened on that one, uh, without a uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I think that she, I think that we'll never know for sure, but I'm leaning towards the fact that the guy she was with, her fiance that she'd moved in with, saw through her nonsense, booted her out, and then she had to invent a plausible alternative reality that would allow her to be able to both deal with the situation and garner enough social media likes to feel good about herself again. That's what I think happened. Whatever the truth of the matter is, the guy dodged a bullet. The guy dodged a bullet. Absolutely. 100%. So that was an interesting one uh, last week. I got linked to by Dalrock. Uh, on the um, the article I did last week, it turns out that men are the ones who can have it all. Uh, which, wow, Dalrock's got a lot of traffic. <laughs> I just want to say that now, a lot of people come through the blog. A lot of people subscribe to the blog. Um, I'm up to I'm up to 313 subscribers. There we go. Um, Sweden votes for cultural suicide. 'Cause I'm hearing I've been reading all this stuff like a lot of people are saying that it was rigged. A lot of people are saying that it was rigged. I I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that the election in Sweden was rigged in some way. I don't doubt it. But what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? All that all that does is the fact that the election was rigged, if that was the case, all that does is reemphasize the fact that that Swedish men have lost control of their country in a big way, because if you want to look at the most feminized uh, nation on earth, the most matriarchal society on earth, on earth, that's that's Sweden. And and I had a, a great comment on that one um, from Dave. <coughs> <coughs> um. Worked for Ericsson here in Melbourne, Vic, as a contractor for a year, year and a half. So I met and worked with a large number of Swedes during that time. The level to which the males, I won't call them men, deferred to the female employees was both irritating and sickening to me. I just kept thinking to myself, what the fuck is wrong with these people whenever we had project meetings? Um, and that really, really, really uh, coincides with with my own interactions with Swedish guys. My interactions with Swedish women, I I didn't go into any details on the article because I didn't want to get into anyone in trouble. But I've had de- direct experience of Swedish women in the workplace here in Holland who come in as... Uh, as Yeah, I don't want to say too much detail, but basically horrific. I mean, absolutely horrific. These are, these are young women in their early 20s and they are... They are hardcore, I would call them, in a general sense, if we took them out of the Swedish context, hardcore feminist SJW muckrakers determined to find uh, sin, uh, fault, and guilt um, in every aspect of every human behavior that they come into contact with uh, in every waking hour that they have. That's, that's the only way to describe what these women were like, are like. It's it's insane. Um, they're like a, a walking, ticking time bomb. They are a walking, ticking time bomb. And there was a good article, a good little snippet um, this week. Uh, it was on Tim Blair's blog that he linked to it. I should have found this, but I'm, I've just thought of it now. Um, let's just find this. Let's have a look here. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, the art and science of crybullying bullying. Uh, Lionel Shriver in The Spectator wrote, um, Students cowering in safe spaces don't feel endangered. They're claiming territory. In protecting the foe helpless from noxious opinions via no platforming, they're exercising power. The experience of exercising power isn't scary except on the receiving end. It's supremely gratifying and I'll, and I'll add to that extremely powerful. These people aren't frightened. They want you to be frightened of them and we're not talking microaggression. PC police, police often prefer macroaggression, the kind that can get people sacked. We keep hearing about the terrible distress, in inverted commas, caused by say a Canadian production that uses whites to sing slave songs or a straight actor playing a trans role. But bullies on the left ply weakness to conceal aggression. And today's torrent of touchiness is bogus. No one's truly in distress. No one's feelings are hurt, really. This stuff is all about pushing other people around. And that's a perfect descriptor for Swedish women in general. Swedish women in general are the proverbial man-eaters. They are the harpies of the D&D world. The Gorgons. They are horrific absolutely horrific in every way, shape and form. Uh, and the Swedish men have just lost control of their culture and their society to the women to the point where they are browbeaten for, basically they must be brow Swedish men must be browbeaten from birth. And because of this Swedish women hold their men in contempt and are thus importing hordes of dark skinned uh vibrance to um give them the tingles that they're not getting from their own emasculated men um what a way what a way as i as i wrote in my article uh what a way to destroy your culture and your nation is there is there any any nation over the whole of human history that has imploded in this way I, i just can't think of a single one this is this is absolutely unique. It's never happened before that women have been in elevated to, some, to such a point and men have been emasculated to such a point. And then boom, down they go. It's it's absolutely crazy. Um, and people are saying that Sweden will be the canary in the coal mine. No, they won't. No, they won't. Just like people were saying Venezuela will be finally be the the, the socialist canary in the coal mine that everyone will realise that socialism doesn't work. No, it won't. It's not. Everyone's just memory hold Venezuela. No lefty talks about Venezuela. Ten years ago, you couldn't shut up lefties about Venezuela. They wanted to get bloody Hugo Chavez over to, to lecture us all on, on how to do our economics. He was so great. Now, they're bloody eating eating rubbish from the streets. They're, 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 the borders are all shut because the neighbouring countries can't fucking take them anymore. I said the refugees pouring out. And it's just the whole country is imploding. Inflation's at, what, a million percent or something ridiculous like that? No one talks about Venezuela. Do you think anyone's going to be talking about Sweden when it implodes? I don't fucking think so. I had a very interesting conversation today. I met a Lithuanian, man in his early 30s, maybe late 20s. Very nice chat, really uh, very switched on. Uh, we had a, We had a good chat. And he basically he said that uh, I said do you still do you live in Lithuania he goes yeah I'm one of the few few of my mates who still do everyone's moved overseas apparently they've lost thirty percent of their population apparently a Lithuanian leaves Lithuania every five seconds that's how many people they've lost because I was like oh man I started off oh Lithuanian chicks are hot which they are and he's like yeah but they've all left any of the hot ones are gone why would they stay. And I was like, so what's, why, is, why is everyone leaving? What's going on? And he said, well, there's no work. There's no work. And I'm like, well, what? He goes, there's no shops. There's no factories. There's no nothing. they have all closed. And I'm like, well, okay, there must be a reason for this. Why have they closed? And he said to me, the EU, all the e-regulations that, come, that came in when they joined the EU killed, absolutely killed, all the domestic businesses and domestic economy, dead. It's fucking fallen over, absolutely fallen over. And he was, uh, and he said, we were, we were better in the Soviet Union. We were so much better off in the Soviet Union. He said, Lithuania is absolutely fucked. We're losing our country, it's, it's gone down the shitter. And he's okay because he has a job outside. He told me that the uh, EU has blocked Russian television from being broadcast in Lithuania under the guise of, oh, you don't, we don't, you, it's just propaganda, so you you can't listen to it, which means we only want you to listen to our propaganda, not their propaganda as well. So the it was all about democracy and freedom of speech and rah, rah, rah. Yeah, but we'll block the Russian television channels from being shown in Lithuania because, no, you can't do that. Oh, no, you can't do that. And I said, what about freedom of speech? Like, Can you guys go around and, and start talking about this stuff? And he goes, if you start talking about there's there's no laws about it, but if you start talking about it, suddenly you'll, you'll be busted for drugs or something else. That's got nothing to do with, with the rubbish that you're making, but they have ways of making you shut up. And uh, and then I mentioned Puzan. And he was he was like, he literally, his eyes glazed over in joy. They fucking love Puzan, man. They love him so much. They really, really, really love him, and they really want to go back to be a part of Russia. Absolutely. It was, it was such an eye-opening conversation about how damaging the EU has been, how it's basically been uh, the third war in... Germany didn't get what it wanted in the First or the Second World War by using military means. So they went, all right, we'll, we'll try it again, but we'll use economic war to get to what we want. That's what the EU is. Economic war. The only country that's done really well out of it is Germany. Because the Deutschmark is artificially deflated and they're an ex manufacturing export economy. Fucking yee-haw. And they basically come in and say, you can do this, you can do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. Look at look what they did to Greece. Look what they did to Greece. Look what like they did to Cyprus. Just took 30% of people's bank accounts out. Boom. Done. Banks will have that. No one can do anything. It's, it's it's war. It's war by other means. They say that, that that war is politics by other means. Well, economics in 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 a, in something like the EU, the imperialism of EU is war by other means. That's what it is. Uh, which is, I suppose is politics by other means. But um, yeah, man, they really love they really love Putin up there. They really 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 love Putin. Uh, that was really eye opening was really eye opening to uh, have that conversation with him, and uh, I said to him, you know, could um, could I grab your email and we can do some, I can, you know, back and forth and rah rah. And he was like, oh man, I'm really sorry, I can't, I can't do that, I can't do it, just can't. And uh, I was like, oh, he goes, oh, they'll 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 find an excuse to bust down my door and uh, find something that shouldn't be in the house and I'm in jail. And he was like. Fully serious. This is the EU we're talking about here. So, um, very, very, very interesting. Very, very interesting And in, in that. Top of that, I caught a video with uh, a demonstration in Germany with the speaker going off. Uh, if, if you're a Turk, if you're a dark-skinned anything in Germany right now, I reckon your days are numbered based on that. The... The, the last drop is about to go in the bucket and the bucket's about to overflow and I'd say it's going to absolutely go apeshit as a number of people on our side of the internet have been predicting for quite some time. Um, some people on the internet have been predicting this for over 10 years. Um, it's going to go absolutely belly up. The EU cannot dissolve and fall apart fast enough. It just can't. It, it, it can't do it fast enough. It's gonna it's gonna be a runaway express train. It will it will collapse with the same speed that the Soviet Union collapsed. And in, in the day the week before the Soviet Union collapsed, no expert in the world would have been able to say that the next week the Soviet Union would wouldn't be there anymore. That's how fast the EU is going to go down. It's going to be very 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 fast indeed. Um, and it's going to be interesting. Uh, I live in the EU, do I want to be here when it goes down, yeah absolutely, yeah I think it's going to be uh, a really um, interesting process to go through, very interesting times, Um, so um, yeah, interesting conversations, interesting things going on, Uh, uh, we won't even talk about 9-11, because I saw some great stuff about that, I'll put it up on Friday's uh, Hot Chicks and links. Uh, very, very interesting stuff coming out of, uh, a few places now, which, which a year ago, I'll just say this, uh, uh, a year ago on XYZ magazine, um, David Hilton, um, put up an article saying Israel was basically responsible for 9-11 and I had a, a an email conversation with, uh Uh, david hiscox the editor over at xyz and he said it was really interesting because last year when they put up that piece they got so many hate comments along the lines of we're never going to read your blog again we're never going to recover this website again blah 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 blah. and now a year later they he they republished it and he said there wasn't there was i don't think there was a single comment along those lines just in a year the wokeness level is the wokeness level is changing dramatically it's uh it's very 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 interesting indeed so um yeah there we go um so shout out <coughs> captain cappy over it at, over at, uh captaincapitalism.com aaron cleary he's been gallivanting around doing fuck all um and having a good old time on his motorbike. What a, what a, what a prick! What a prick, eh? How, what, really? I mean, I don't know. Um, and uh, you can go and check him out. He's got a YouTube channel which he uses to support his um, uh, asshole consultancy business. Um, and um, he's got a bunch of books out: Bachelor Pad Economics. Curse the high IQ, many, many more. He's a very good guy. He's very smart, and he's a good friend, and you should uh, and you should check out all his stuff. That's what I'm going to say. And he had something up this week. Um, let's have a look. Uh, Roosh. Uh, Roosh, who I'm, I'm not really a fan of, but I give Roosh credit for going out there and fighting the good fight. Uh, apparently Amazon's banned all of Rush's books um, which is as Aaron Clary says obviously in a on free speech by socialists at SJWs um, on top of that over at Rack and Tour Report this week um, I saw that let me just go down because he really is prof- prolific and he puts lots of stuff up uh, they tend to be kind of overblown a bit a lot of the time. Uh, Let's have a look here. No, that's not it. So, Roosh got banned. And apparently a site called Cold Fury uh, was nuked. Um, And apparently they were on blogspot uh, let's have a look account suspended um, oh apparently he's behind on his payments for hosting. Okay, all right. He didn't get taken down. But Roosh has definitely been taken down uh, in a big way. And like I said, uh, I'm not really a fan of Roosh. Uh, there's a few reasons for that, that I won't go into. Um, but you cannot des- deny that he that he fights the good fight. And Amazon has taken all his books off. Just when he's launched a new book, which apparently was selling very well. A uh, grain of salt on that one. But... Um, that's a really uh, concerning development, but not a surprising one. Not a surprising one. I'm in the process now of of getting my site um, uh, self-hosted, so I'm not depending on this stuff anymore uh, on WordPress. So we'll see. SoundCloud, that I do this podcast on? Well, for the moment, uh, I, I've heard that SoundCloud really needs the money. Apparently SoundCloud is not in a position at all to uh, to... To 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 bow to the SJW hordes, just not in a position at all to do that. So, here's hoping for a while because I don't know what I'd, I don't know what other platform I'd use for um, for podcasting. Um, go check out my site. Oh, I put the call out to get over a three hundred. Like I said, we're up to three thirteen or three fourteen. Thanks so much, guys. I want to put another call out. Uh, I, I this I really need this one. Reviews for my books is st- have stalled out completely completely stalled out. The last review uh, on pushing rubber downhill was Aaron Clary and I think that's I think that's almost a year ago. that's the last review I've had. I think we're up to 30, 30 odd reviews or something like that uh, on the US one, 10 or so on the UK one, six or seven on the Australian one. look and but I'm continually s- selling books constantly. So if you've bought my books. Can you leave a review on Amazon for me if you if you bought it through Amazon? Um, if they allow you to do it. I know that sometimes you haven't bought enough or you haven't blah, 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 blah. They won't let you do it. If you're able to leave a review, can you leave a review? It does not have to be in-depth and detailed. It could just be simply love this book or five stars. This book was okay. Three stars. This book made my eyes... Water with Pain, two stars. Uh, This book deserves to be stuck up the writer's bottom, one star. You know, whatever you want, I don't care. Okay, well, I do care, obviously, but whatever you want, really need those reviews to click up because I am going to hit up some other companies for um, some marketing stuff, and the reviews help that. So if you guys could. throw me some reviews for Pushing Rubber Downhill and Run Guts Pull Cones on whatever medium you bought. If you bought the audio books or something like that. Like I've sold a few hundred audio books and there's like three reviews on the audio book section. I'm mean, like, come on, guys. Come on, come on, come on. Help a brother out. Help a brother out. Um, and hey, if you haven't bought the books and you don't even know, like I had a guy a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, I, don't, I really liked that article that you wrote, that story. Have you got any more stories? I went, yeah, buy my books. Ah, fucking hell. If you haven't bought them, go buy the books, they're good. They are good, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of the books, very proud. Subscribe to this um, podcast, subscribe to my blog. Um, The RSS feed doesn't come up so I prefer the subscriptions on the email. Um, I don't send anyone anything. I don't even know how to access those emails no. but I do know that they all go out and uh, that's really helpful to me. So if you do that, that will be sensational um i don't i'm not out there spruking for donations i've just done an 11 hour day driven home and went to the dentist then peak hour traffic got home grabbed a beer i've sat down i've done this it's an hour to get this all sorted out um you know that's just because i want to keep this thing going i'm not asking for any money so just the support in this regard would be absolutely brilliant thank you very much tune in next week Uh, This has been the floorboard issue. Don't you go changing. Ciao.